Good morning again. Uh, it's great to be here with you this morning. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, our lead pastor, Carlos Sibley, he's on sabbatical right now. And if you will just keep praying for him, praying that he will be revived and just ready to come back. And uh, we'll see him here soon. But uh, it's my great privilege to be able to bring the word to you this morning from Psalm 84 as we continue our series in Songs of Summer. And I want to start off with a quiz for you this morning, okay? So let's do this. I'm going to play two seconds of a song. We're going to see if you can name that song. All right, it's a throwback. Here's a little clue for you. It's a throwback eight years ago. But you could not go anywhere and not hear this song. But you only get two seconds to hear this song, okay? So, uh, you got it? Oh, somebody got it right away. Look at that cameo. That was you. All right, Happy by Farrell. You know, you know what song that is? I can sing it for you if you want. But no, you don't want that. Um, so this song was like, you could not go anywhere and not hear this song playing in the background somewhere at a restaurant, whatever. It was just like constant. The music video went viral. It's like at almost 1 billion views today on YouTube. It's insane. And so this song was everywhere. And it got to a point you heard that boom, boom thing come on and you, were, you started to cringe. You became unhappy to hear the song happy. That's, that's what it was like. You, you know what I'm saying, okay? It was, and actually... Something was happening then because the other song that was like number one in the charts at that time was Let It Go. Okay, so I don't know about why these crazy songs, they were all happening right then, but there you go. But this song, Happy, struck a real chord with people, right? They were playing it over and over. People are dancing. It's, it's like this, it was this big moment. And uh, I'm sure hopefully he made a lot of money from his song. But he, Farrell had something to say to us about happiness in that song. He was explaining his view on happiness and even the song itself and it's like, you know, the way in which it came across was very, well, happy. And I think it struck a chord with people because it's pretty obvious that we all want to be happy, right? Like if I were to ask you this morning, you want to be happy? Everybody would say, sure, I'd like to be happy. Sign me up for that. Maybe you are happy. We got some happy people in here? We should. We should. Because listen, the Bible has a lot to say about happiness. Augustine said in his confessions that all men seek to be happy. But the problem is that we often look in the wrong places to find that happiness. So we all want happiness, but finding it is the difficult part. And here's what I'm going to tell you this morning. In fact, if I was going to name this talk, I would name it How to Be Happy. And I know what you're saying. Like some people are, you're dismissing me. Like seriously, you're going to try to stand up here and tell me how to be happy. Or you're like, what? What does that have to do with the Bible, happiness? No. On a couple of those instances, you could dismiss me. But stick with me, okay? This, is, this, this passage is going to open your eyes to how you can find happiness. And I understand that not every day of our life is going to be happy. The, the older I get, the more the Psalms are just like, why is there anything else but this? Because the Psalms speak so often to our journey that's difficult and full of unexpected and hard things. But this Psalm 
is going to move you to this idea that God offers us happiness in him. And so when you come to the church, I, I want to focus on this idea because growing up, and I grew up in the church, okay, my dad's a pastor. Like before I was born, I was in church. In my mom's womb, I was in church. I, every, every moment, like you could be with the church. We were with the church every night of the week. It was, you know, one of those things. And so, so I can tell you, I've been around church for a while. A lot of you guys have too. And it should not be the case that, that the church is not full of happy people. You know, we, we get focused on like good things, but we get really serious sometimes. We get focused on like, you know, all the things we should be focused on, but then we, we miss the fact that the Lord wants us to be happy. And so we're going to look at Psalm 84, and I think it will help us zoom in and, and get in our hearts what I think will bring us to happiness. So Psalm 84, let's read that together. And you may miss it on our first read through, okay? So here you go. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Okay, where's the happiness, right? That's, that's your first question. Well, it's, it's actually said three times in this psalm, but the ESV translation, which I'm using, uh, brings it out as blessed. And those words, I think, are tied together a lot more than what we would initially expect. But because we don't often go around saying blessed or blessed, we, we miss how the, the, the connection there with happiness. In verse 4 and verse 5 and verse 12, the word blessed is used. Now, the, if you want to, like, dig into the language... Blessed is not the literal rendering of the word. It just helps us bring out the meaning in it, of course, as you do with translation. But in verse 4 and verse 5, verse 12, if you want to literally render that word, it means happy. So it says, happy are those who dwell in your house. Happy are those whose strength is in you. Happy are those who trust in you. It's very similar to the Beatitudes. That's the same word that Jesus, uh, well, it's not the same word, but similar uh, in his Aramaic, that, that Jesus was using when he said, uh, when he went through the Beatitudes, right? You know the Beatitudes where he says, uh, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's saying happy are those. So same idea, we get three times the psalmist, and he keeps coming back to it, it almost kind of breaks the psalm down for us into three parts, in fact. 
this first part that leads up to verse 4, and then, and then uh, 4 through uh, 9, and then, and then the last verses. And so we have him saying to us, here's this way in which we are happy. And we'll get to each of those, but you have to sort of go on a journey to get there, okay? Because this song, it was a song that they would sing, was written for a journey. It was written for a pilgrimage, okay? So uh, in that day, it's not that different <laughs> for us too, right, in today's world, like in the, especially Americans, we love some road trips. In that day, they, the people who all lived outside of Jerusalem, outside of where the temple was, when a festival would, would be happening, they would all journey to Jerusalem. They'd make their road trip to Jerusalem. I mean, it was pretty much the same, right? They had a Bucky's on the way somewhere, right? Have you guys seen that place? Oh my gosh. Uh, anyways, it, it, obviously a lot different in the way in which they traveled and in the ancient world and, and the dangers that were inherent with that travel. But it, I, I had to compare it to a trip I took a couple years ago. I just, I went back immediately. You started, I started getting into road trip mode and the last big one we took, and maybe we're scarred from that because it's been a while since we took that trip. We, we have five kids. Uh, my wife and I, we have five children. At that time, two years ago, they were ages two to nine. And we, we, we really wanted to go see my, my grandparents. I have two living grandparents, so they're blessed that still today, to this day have two living great-grandparents. And uh, they live, though, in Springfield, Missouri. So it's a 12-hour it's a drive without stops. But we were like, we're going to make this trip. We're going to go see them. And so I knew it was really important that, like, for the survival of, of my wife mostly, uh, that, that we plan out this trip. And so... And I'm a little bit of a planner, but I, I went a little overboard here. I, I put together a literal agenda for this trip, okay? Like, so I'm like, we stop at 8.42 here. We're going to do a bathroom break here. Then we're going to stop at 9.27 here. I mean, I, I was like almost to that point. You know, bathroom break every 30 minutes with our crew. We may or may not have deprived them of drinking anything for like two days before the trip. <laughs> but we were... We're making this road trip. We had it planned out. We knew we were going to eat lunch. I mean, I was on Google Maps. Like, I'm pulling out the street view. We were like, we're going to have a picnic lunch. So I'm looking, where's, is there a picnic bench at this place on this rest stop? You know, I'm in there. That's like how detailed I got. And, of course, you know when you plan something, it always goes as planned, right? Always. So we're, we, we were doing great. I think it was after lunch, right? We had at least made it past lunch. We even got out the door on time. But, and I'm just saying this really to help all of you out today. That's, that's the main reason for telling this story. Because um, we're somewhere in Mississippi, northern part. And, and if you think like a quarter, you know, a quarter of a tank of gas is going to be fine, just, just keep in mind that it may not be fine, okay? I was like, we got, I got down to a quarter of a tank of gas. I was like, well, the next stop, I'll stop. There was no next stop there in Mississippi where we were, okay? And so next thing you know, here we are, our whole family on our very planned out trip are on the side of the road, no gas. And it's 98 degrees in the middle of July in Mississippi right there. And I'm like, oh, this cannot be happening right now. But I did what anybody would do and I called an Uber, but there was no Uber there. Um, and so that didn't work. The closest Uber was 30 minutes. Okay, this isn't gonna work. So I started hitchhiking. And eventually, just make a long story short, I, I got some gas. We brought it back, 
that we, we were all taken care of. My kids didn't die from heat, ex- heat exhaustion or anything like that. And um, we made it to Springfield. You know, you've heard this phrase before. It's all about the journey, right? It's not about the destination. It's all about the journey. No. When you're on a road trip, it's all about the destination, okay? Like, especially with five kids and, and like, the trip we were taking. Like, we were just like, just, yeah, thank you, Lord. We're here. And that's sort of what's happening with this psalm because the focus is so much on the destination that he literally is only going to touch, touch on the journey for just a minute, for just, just a brief second in this song that he's written. Uh, he starts off with, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. So they're on their way to Jerusalem. They're going there for a festival more than likely. And the, and the thing that they are focused on is the temple of God. How lovely, in fact, uh, to bring out the meaning of this phrase probably a little better, you could say, how beloved is your dwelling place. How I love the place where you live, God. I love where you are, God. And his first address to God, and this is the most frequently used term in this psalm, is, O Lord of hosts. So just grab on to that for a second. O Lord of hosts. This is... The God of heaven's armies, that's what, of hosts, that's the, that's the God who's over all the angels. How beloved it is for me to be where you are, God. And so he's so focused on that destination. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Strong language. My heart and flesh sing for joy. It, the sing for joy literally means the cry out to the living God. I really like how one commentator put it. He said, this was a deep feeling, okay? Follow this progression. Not every love is so great as to make a longing. We can love something, but we don't always long for it. I mean, there's there's some things. I I love pizza. Sometimes I have longings for it. Not always. It's kind of funny how we use the word love anyways. But anyway, that's another talk. But not every love is so great as to make a longing. And not every longing is so great as to make a fainting. So this is deep inside of him. And I want to do this as we read through this psalm and just take a step back and say, this is pretty convicting. Would we say that our soul and our heart and our flesh cry out to God and long for him? You know, is that a part of who we are as a people? We're going to keep coming back to that idea. Verse 3, it says, even the sparrow finds a home. And the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King, my God. Even this small bird has found a a home at God's home. We see the kindness of God in that language. Very poetic, right? here's, Here's this bird, and it's found a nest for itself at the altars, at the place where 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 we're made right with God. It reminds you of when Jesus said, you know, he talks about looking at the birds and look how they're taken care of. How much more so does does our heavenly father care for you? And then he says again, O Lord of hosts, my king, my God. It's right there. I want you to grab that for a second because this is so important. I mean, this is at the heart of Christianity. This is what separates Christianity so often from everything else. It's it's, It's this great, wonderful, powerful God who's over heaven's armies. 
And yet at the same time, he says, what? My God, my king. It's, 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 it's so intensely personal. It's this great juxtaposition of, of this, this amazing, incredible being, and, and yet he's personal with him. The point, though, is that the psalmist is saying, I long to be with God. I want to be with him. And this leads us to the first idea of how to be happy. It's in verse 4. Happy are those who dwell in your house. Ever singing your praise. You want to be happy? Find your home in God. When we find our home in God... You will be happy because you could sort of turn this around and you could say, where am I making my home right now? If you were to look at your life and examine it and where does your soul long for? What does your soul long for? What, what, what are you wrapping your emotions and your heart up in? That's your home. Happy are those who dwell in your house. Happy are those who find their home in God. Now we need to stop here for a second and make sure that we're all on the same page and understanding where they're at in the Old Testament and where we're at today. So here as the psalmist is singing this song and, and, and writing it, he's thinking about how God dwells there in the temple. If you know the story of the Israelite people, then you know that God chose Abraham as the person in which he would establish a covenant. Between him and his wife, Sarah, he said, I, I will make you a great nation. And it's an incredible story of, of, of faith as, as Abraham and Sarah finally have a child in their old age. And then um, that's Isaac. Isaac has uh, Jacob. Jacob has his 12 sons. And, and God's promise to them is coming true the people are multiplying. And then you follow the storyline into Exodus where they've multiplied and grown tremendously into a nation. And they're enslaved in Egypt. And God comes. You know the story, right? He comes and performs these mighty acts to show that he's the one true God. And he brings them out of slavery, out of Egypt, and he takes them to the land in which he has promised them. But here's the question, because this, this, this story in Exodus is the story of the Old Testament. I mean, everything goes back to Exodus. You, once you read it and you, you work through it, I, prom I promise you, just, you'll see. Everything goes back to that one story. Why? Well, it's God's act of salvation in the Old Testament. It's a people who are enslaved and in bondage and, and he brings them out of it. Why does he bring them out of it? Well, the next thing he says when he, he brings them out of Egypt, the next thing he asks them to do after they've, they've, they've made it through the Red Sea, he says, build for me a tabernacle so I can come and be with you. Why does God save his people? So he can be with them. He wants to be with them. Like he wants to be present there with them. That's, he's not, you know, holy only contained there at that temple, but this is where he chooses to manifest his presence in a real way in which the people can experience their God. 
Now we fast forward into our day, well, into the New Testament, and which affects our day. God comes on another rescue mission. His people are enslaved in sin and in bondage. And he says, I can't have this. And he sends Jesus to die on the cross, taking on our sins, to deliver us from our sins. He defeats the grave, sin and death. Why? Same reason he does it there in Exodus. So he can be with us. God desires to be with you. Hello. That's amazing. Let that sink in. God wants to be with you. He doesn't want this to be some distant relationship. I'm up in heaven, you're down here, and we, you know, maybe somehow we'll, we'll get in touch. He wants to dwell in you because, listen, you get to 1 Corinthians and he explains to us that through the Holy Spirit, he comes and makes his home in us. We are now the temple. God dwelling in us, present with us. And so as we read this passage about, you know, they're thinking about the temple. We're going to the temple. We're going to be there with God. We read it and say, we are the temple. We as a church together, as individuals, we are the temple. But sometimes, like any relationship, you can think about it like this. You, you know, I could have a couple friends together. We could, we could literally go on a trip together. We could, we could go somewhere. We could be hanging out. And it's possible that there could be one friend, maybe I'm mad at them or something, that I don't talk to at all. The entire time we're together. I'm just literally block them out and I'm just talking to this other friend. We can do that to God. God can be dwelling in us, living in us, and we can literally just neglect him. And so this too is a journey for us to, to find our home in God, to be communing with him on a daily basis. Let's, let's keep going because the journey continues. Verse 5. It says, happy are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. This is the first moment which they've kind of changed over from just thinking about the destination to now the journey. They're, they're on their way, okay? They, they, they need strength for the journey. Just like I needed a strength for the journey to get there. To, to Missouri on this long trip. They, they needed strength. And, and he says... In whose heart are the highways to Zion. So if you want to you find happiness, here's what I think you can bring out of this next. You need to find your strength in God. We find our home in God. We find our strength in God. And you will be happy. Um, because, again, you can look at it this way. You want to be miserable? Try to do things on your own. Try to do things in your own strength. And when you do, like me on a road trip, running out of gas. That's what it will be like. You'll find yourself stuck. Happiness, I, I think that, that you, you will experience in a whole other level when you say, Lord, I can't do it. I need you. And then the second part of the verse says, the, it, the word Zion as, isn't actually in there in the original language. It literally just says the highways are in their heart. 
That's it. The highways are in their heart. And, and they add in the Zion to give some context because it's, their highways are leading them to God. And these highways are in their heart. Why, what does that mean? Well, I think after just really dwelling on this and working through it, here's, here's what I've come for it to mean, in, in my understanding at least. Now, the best way I can say it is to go back to my grandfather, the same grandfather we went to go visit. When uh, he retired from being a school administrator, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather, they decided, and this was way, well before it was an Instagram or TikTok trend, they were going to do the RV life. They, they were going to sell everything they had and live in an RV and just crisscross the U.S. And they did that for like 20 years. And they're going everywhere, and, and they traveled like literally every road in America, it felt like. Well, I remember they were visiting us in Georgia as a kid growing up, and my grandfather was taking us somewhere in the car, and he was like forgetting what state he's in. He's been on so many different roads and highways that it's like, where are we at again? And, and he said, like, I can be on one road in, in Texas, and it feels exactly like this, this road that I was on wherever, Missouri, Oklahoma, Montana, whatever, name the state. And, and he said, there's only a few roads that are just so burned in my head that I, I don't sometimes have to, like, just remember, what state am I in again? Well, guess where those roads are? Home, where he grew up. I mean, ha have you ever had that experience? Have you moved away from your home like I did uh, where I grew up at? When, when I moved away, we visited a few years ago. I hadn't been back there in a long time. And there, certain roads and things had grown up so much that I was, I was lost. But then I got close to where I lived and I was like right back in there. Like those, those roads were so burned in my mind because they had been so well traveled. that I was like, oh, I know exactly where I'm at. Here's what I'm getting at. There's roads and highways in our heart that have to be cultivated. Well-traveled roads, and I think that's what he's saying here. As they're on their way to Zion, it's a spiritual journey for them. It's a spiritual journey for them to get to Jerusalem to say, like, uh, not just are we going there physically, but we have to go there spiritually. Like, so, so there's roads in our heart that are leading us to you, God. What are those roads for us? Think about that. It's us finding a spot where we, like, maybe read the word every day and pray. It's us finding just, like, a certain spot where it's, like, I go back into these woods because this is time where, like, I spend with God. It's quiet. No one's, I don't have cell phone servers maybe, whatever. You name it. Like, this is, this is a highway for me to the presence of God, to just sit and be with him. We do that also in this gathering on Sundays when we're all together these songs that we sing are highways to God. They're roads to God that are ushering us into his presence in a different way in which we, we, we don't accomplish just uh, in our individual lives. As, as a whole, as a group, as, as a people, we, we come and we sing. Because look, it's leading us to the presence of God as, as one people. These are the highways that, that happen that are so important for us. In verse 6, and this is almost the first time in which he kind of points to, to the struggle he says, as we go through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The Valley of Baca is literally uh, the Valley of Tears. There's going to be times where it's, it's hard. But even then, he, he's so quick to change it. Even then, it becomes a place of springs. It becomes a place of overflowing with good things. The early rain also covers it with pools. That as arid as this valley was, that, that, that it was made a place of springs and a place of pools. That's what God will do. And I just think it's maybe important to note here, again, we have all these psalms that 
that help us in difficult seasons and like touch on all the hard things. But this psalm is so focused on just being with God. And, and this is good for us. Like sometimes we just need to say, no, that destination, that, that, that being with God is so worth it that, and so pales, everything else so pales in, con, in comparison that like I don't have to think about all that stuff sometimes. I don't have to think about and dwell on all these hard things. I can just think about God. Now I know it's not always possible, but this psalm is one of those that just says, just think about God. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. You know, in a road trip like the one I was talking about earlier, I would say I go from strength to weakness. (laughs) Right? By the end of a long road trip, what do you want to do? You just like, get me out of here. Let me just lay down. I want to take a nap. I'm ready to take a break. I'm ready to go to bed. Like it, somehow being in a car for a long time can, can really spend your energy. I, I still don't understand that. But somehow it does. And yet on this trip, he says, we went from strength to strength. God continually gave us that strength in which they would need in a whole different way in which they, again, an inherent dangerously, an inherently dangerous type of journey for them to get to Jerusalem. But here they are. Each one appears before God in Zion. They've made it. They're in his presence. Now, what they've dreamed about is reality. And as they stand in, their, in his presence, listen to what they say, O Lord of hosts. First thing they do is they pray. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. That verse 9 is actually a prayer for the king. The first thing they do is just they pray for the king who's been a shield to them, who's been a protector to them, maybe in, in the way in which they've established uh, a safe way for them to travel. Look on the face of your anointed, they pray. But then they get to the where, where they're really going to land. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Saying it's worth it. There's nothing better. One commentator pointed out that this sort of language is meant for us to think about what is of utmost importance. When you use that ratio, one to a thousand, it's like, you know, like, it'd be like one of, one of my little kids saying, you know, no, I, I want it a million times more than you, right? You use this big language to just say, like, this is everything. I'd rather, I'd rather have one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Why? They get to be with God. I remember a couple years ago, or not a couple, it was, no, this was more than a couple years ago because it's been a while. How long have we lived here? 13 years or so. Uh, I, I went to school at UGA, go dogs, and then we moved away for a little while. I never thought I'd make it back to the Athens area, but the Lord called us here to this church, and, and we had been living here a couple of years when it was me and a couple other guys and we were grabbing some lunch, we were somewhere near campus and as we were waiting for our food or ordering or something like that, a family walked in and they had just been at some event, maybe a basketball game or something like that. They were decked out in the bulldog gear, right? You know, where you've been at one of the games and they come in and like we, somehow we started a conversation. And as we were talking, 
I don't even know how, again, how this came up, but he, the dad, I was talking to the dad, and he was like, well, where do you, I, maybe I asked him where they're from, and he said, where are you from? Well, well, actually, I live right here, um, close by in Watkinsville, it's like just a few minutes down the road, and he was like, no, oh, wait, what'd you say? I was like, no, I live like right down the road, he's like, really? Yeah, yeah, like, I live here, um, he's like, so, so like, you're just a few minutes from all this all the time. And I was like, yeah. And he just like stopped. I was like, are you kidding me? You get to live here? <laughs> he was like, I mean, he just had like a, a freak out moment. Like it's seriously, we're a grown man in, in this place. And I was like, I mean, I mean, there are houses here. People live here. <laughs> like, what? And he's like, I cannot imagine. This has been my dream. One day I'm going to live here too. I was like, yeah, man. All right. I got a great church right down the road. You should come. Um, like, and he's just freaking out. He's like, it, it literally took him a while to, to just get in his mind that, that people live here. And, and it, was, it was just like these pilgrims who were on the journey. They, they're thinking about, man, there's people who get to do this all the time. Hey, we shouldn't take it for granted. That's a pretty cool place, right? But we shouldn't take it for granted. Just like what he's saying here, that, that he's seeing these people who are in the temple. We, we, we would look at people who are really walking with the Lord. And sometimes we do the same thing. We'd be like, wait, we can have what they have? Like the way in which they, they're with God and know him and just or have intimacy with him. We can have that? Yeah. And here's the thing. And when you find your home in God, you find your strength in God. In verse 12, when you find your trust in God, it says, happier are those who trust in you. When you find those things, you will be happy. For the Lord, in verse 11, let's just finish these last two verses. For the Lord, God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk up uprightly. No good thing. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Happy is the one who trusts in you. You know, there's two places that I love to be. One, an MLB ballpark watching a baseball game. Preferably the Braves, by far, actually. If you put me in, in one of those ballparks watching some baseball, man, I, you can't beat it. Like, I'm at home. You know, a couple hot dogs would be good too. That I'm 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 at peace. I'm content. I'm happy. This is great. Second one is on the water. Anybody like that? On the, you you put me in a boat on the water. You put me uh, at the lake or the ocean. I don't care. You put me on some water, and it's just like peaceful for me. It's it's a place that I truly find a lot of peace in. But those are temporary in their nature. And I even kind of daydream sometimes, like, you know, when it's like really, I got a lot going on. I'm like, man, right now, I wish I was at the beach. <laughs> but those are temporary in nature. There's another place that, that my heart longs for, but my flesh often like pulls me back from. And that is being there with God, communing with him, spending time with him. And, and that's where you'll find ultimate peace and ultimate contentedness. And ultimate happiness. You with me? Right? I mean, when you read this psalm, it's convicting because we're, we're looking at it. We're, 
we're seeing someone who's expressing just deep emotions to just be with God. But I wonder if there's really anything different about them than us, right? Because you know, if you could just let your flesh subside for a minute, that that's what your heart truly longs for. And when you get in his presence, you realize there's nothing, nothing better. There's nothing that compares to this. And the amazing thing is God wants to be with you. There's one story I got to take you back to really, really quick to finish up. One story I got to take you back to, and um, it's in the Gospel of Luke. It just came to me this week. I could not get it out of my head as I was working through this passage. It's about Mary and Martha. You know that story? It's only five verses long. It's amazing. It's only five verses because the impact it's, it's had in my own heart. And it's where Martha is really upset that her sister Mary is just hanging out with Jesus. They're at their house, Mary and Martha's house, and Martha's left to do all the chores. She's, she's uh, hosting everyone, making sure everything's all right. And she eventually says to Jesus, look, Jesus, you got to tell my sister she needs to help me. Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried about many things. But there's few things. And he says, indeed, there's only one thing that matters. And he says, she has chosen the right thing. That's how we are. We're distracted. We're going all over the place. We're thinking about this and this and this. And then it's like Jesus says, just stop. I want to be with you. Come. Come spend a little time with me. I don't want to do that right now. Right where we're at, we got a few minutes before we need to be out of here. Let's just sit and commune with this God of heaven's armies, right, that, that makes himself personal to us through our relationship with Jesus. And we get to spend time with him. And it's there that you will find yourself at home and find yourself happy. Let's pray right now. Just, just focus your heart and your mind however you need to. And let's sit in the presence of God. Right now, maybe you just need to say, Lord, it's been a while. I haven't been taking these moments as I needed to. I haven't been thinking of you as I needed to. Maybe for the first time and you're here today saying, I don't, I don't even know this Jesus at all. But if you're real, I'm ready to call out to you. I, I need this. I need to be at home. I want to be happy. He wants to be with you. Wherever you find yourself on your journey, on this trip that you're on, would you right now just come and meet with the Lord? We're going to sit in this moment for a minute. Meet with him.